Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So Liz. Yeah. I just found out something I want to share with you. That's how we usually open our show. And okay. I, have, I have to tell our, our listeners something I just found out. There is no such thing as voter fraud. No, of course not. Does not exist. Never heard of it. What? I never heard of voter fraud. I don't know what you're talking about. Are we going to get censored now? Is Jack going to come and... Uh-oh, yeah. We take... <laughs> no, we're agreeing with Jack. Whatever Jack says, we have to say. You are correct, sir. So here are Liz and me on happy hour. Uh, it's a noonish hour on Thursday as the as our democracy pretty much falls apart and we're watching it in real time. Yeah. Um, but I'm watching it on Newsmax. <laughs> I am not watching it on Fox News. Okay, so I did have Fox News on today, I have to say, and that's where I came up. Brett Baer is grilling one of the reporters about there's no we haven't seen any proof of voter fraud. We haven't seen any. I'm so glad I'm not watching that. I will literally kick in my screen. Like I would kick in my television. I would take no, you know what I would do like Elvis. I would take <laughs> my shotgun and just shoot the television. All right. But think about that. This is a high-profile reporter slash journalist on Fox News sitting at his desk as all of this is unfolding around the country. We could see in real time millions of ballots just appearing out of nowhere in major corrupt Democratic cities across the country. And he's sitting there saying we have no proof of voter fraud. That's. It's like saying there's no proof that I drank that bottle of Chardonnay last night. There's no proof. I don't even I don't know. I don't really know what to say. I mean, that's like that that it indicates to me that he is willfully ignorant to say that there's no voter fraud when when looking closely at some of these turnout numbers in the swing states, they strain credulity. There's we're talking Saddam Hussein Iraqi election level turnout. <laughs> As or someone pointed out, though, even Saddam Hussein would have been smart enough to just do like 95 percent, right. yeah. not 100 percent. It's outrageous. There's literally no way that those numbers are correct and that they have 90 percent turnout in Wisconsin. There's just no way. And they were finding these buckets of ballots in, I guess, precincts that were a hundred percent for Biden. And they were, um, like, I think it was like 138,000, not, not just 10, right. 138,000 ballots Mm -hmm. of which not one was for Trump. Not even a mistake, Julie. There wasn't a whoops or a, or what about Joe Jorgensen, the libertarian? Not one, mm-hmm. not one. If the media were not so dishonest, they would look at these turnout numbers. In many cases in these swing states, we're seeing almost double the number of eligible registered voters that turned out based on the precinct counts. It's it's absurd. It's ridiculous. So we'll get into those drill down and because as we're recording, things are moving quickly. So, Liz, before we get into the details of all the voter chicanery and just appearing ballots out of nowhere in Philadelphia and Atlanta, Detroit, why don't you talk a little bit about what happened on Fox News Tuesday night uh, when their decision desk called the pivotal, crucial state of Arizona early? What happened there? Okay, so at seven o'clock on Election Day is when the polls close in a lot of states and everybody is gathered around the TV watching or watching Fox News. At least in my case, that was for three minutes before I got rid of Chris Wallace and moved over to Newsmax. So the states are coming in on the East Coast. Those come in first. That's when the polls the polls close. 
And there's a couple states that are important that are on the East Coast that we consider, you know, battleground or swing states. Two, three of them, Georgia, Florida, and North Carolina. Everybody's watching those. The results were in pretty quick, or they were called New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts. Those states, we know they're going to go to Biden. They're going to go Democrat. But these other states, we knew they were close and they're really important. So as we're watching and the chitter chat is going on with the talking heads, we're getting to a point where it's kind of obvious that Trump has won all three of those states, especially Florida, where and that's an important state. And it's important that the states are called. It's psychological, but it's also um it's also um, for momentum, you know, that people mm-hmm. remember when you're looking at Florida, people in Illinois haven't voted. People in Nevada and Arizona and California, they haven't voted yet. So when you're hearing the states call, if you get a bad call in Florida, that's a, such an important state for Trump. Um, you know, that is going to um, really depress, kind of depress turnout. The networks are not calling Florida, even though it became fairly apparent that Florida was going to go for Trump. And it got to the point where there was no numerical way Biden would be able to make up the gap, even if though there were votes that were still coming in and absentee ballots. But they really held off on calling Florida. And then we saw the same thing in other states where it was a Trump victory. But the Biden states were very quick. So the obvious states that were of no significance were called pretty quick. The important states that were of significance for Biden were called quick, but the Trump states of significance were not called. And so feet were dragged on Georgia, on North Carolina, on Texas, and um, and I think in Florida. But here comes Arizona, another critical state mm-hmm. for Trump. And very quickly, Fox News called the race for Biden. Now, one thing. And that was a big flip because Trump won Arizona Trump won in 2016. Arizona. It has 11 electoral votes. So, I mean, it's it's consequential. That's right. And so and people were like, wait, what? You know, I think on these swing states, at least the, the ones that are polling close, they should not make snap calls right away. I mean, I don't know if they need rules to say you can't call and, you know, a situation like that until 95% of the votes are in or something, but they called it. Well, that was a real problem because people that really shut down Trump's momentum and it shut down a really important path to Trump's to get to 70 because then we had to start a hope and pray that he picked up Nevada Right. Or other states. We knew Pennsylvania was going to be an epic mess because a lot of these states have bizarre uh, deadlines where they can count for a week or they can keep counting or it doesn't need to be postmarked. So there's a lot of waiting involved, especially when the vote is close. None of this matters in New York if your ballot's late in New York because it's not going to change the election. But in Pennsylvania, it very well could. So the jackasses at Fox called it really quick. And I think Fox and AP were the only two. There's mm-hmm. seven um, outlets that are, I guess, allowed on certified, social media, right. certified by social media. What that means, it means absolutely jack shit, <laughs> but whatever. Certified. No pun, no pun intended. Right. Yeah. Jack shit. Um, so, so, so then, um, so people are scratching their heads you cannot say anything other than the accepted narrative on Twitter and Facebook. Anyone who tried to suggest that this Arizona call was hasty was shut down by the big Twitter censor. Um, and it, you know, they're still counting in Arizona, but it really hurt. It really damaged Trump. And in addition, and in, in addition to that, um, well, I forgot where I was going with this because there's so much there's so much data out there because we're waiting for Michigan and Wisconsin. And once sure. you put Arizona out there, the more emphasis that the campaign needed to put on these Democrat controlled states, the worse it was, as we would then later find out <laughs> in practice. Right. So, well, I think it's notable. And so this has caused fury on the right. Apparently, there was a report that the president called up. Uh, who would he have called? 
Robert? No, Rupert Murdoch. He's dead. Who, who did I know. he go? Oh, one of the Murdoch? So, was it one of the Murdoch boys? Or Could have been. Now, this was just a report, so maybe it didn't happen, but you could see it, it, it possibility of it happening. But here's the thing, Liz. The New York Times has not called Arizona for Joe Biden. CNN has not called Arizona for Joe Biden. I was watching MSNBC last night. I know I like to torture myself, but I also really like Steve Kornacki. I think, I mean, he, you know, it's obviously beyond a highly partisan network, but he really knows his stuff. He knows where the votes need to come from. He knows the counties. He knows all of the details. So he was really drilling down into Arizona last night explaining where these ballots were coming from, why they were going to favor the president. Rachel Maddow almost had like a heart attack. But even MSNBC hasn't called Arizona for Trump. And here is his partisan. Now, we know he's a Democrat. We know that he's donated to uh, Clinton, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama in the past. But he claimed in a puff piece over the week this past weekend on Fox that he's nonpartisan. You know, his dedication to the integrity of election outcomes far outweighs his partisan leanings, et cetera. And even over the past few days, though, Liz, he has given such garbage explanations because some of the anchors, Brett Baer, Martha McCallum, others have sort of pushed him. Um, his name is uh, Arnon Mishkin. Tucker, uh, have, Tucker straight up, right? Didn't Tucker, Tucker straight up, yeah. I think last night Tucker last said night he did with it Bill was Hemmer. a question. When Bill Hemmer was saying, and he's like, okay, and this is Arizona for Biden. And Tucker's like, oh, and they're still counting. <laughs> because numerically, Trump could really win Arizona. And so this idea that they would just, it, it was almost like an op, a planned operation. It was so bizarre. It was so bizarre that they called Arizona like that. And well, he... Um, he doesn't have a good explanation. In fact, he uh, last night when he was being pushed by Rhett Bear and Martha McCallum said something like, well, you know, because she was kind of pushing. How do you how did you know about these votes, et cetera? And he said something offhand like, well, if a frog had wings, you know, like laughing it off when he knows that he's created a real problem for his network and. He's just shrugging the whole thing off because, look, he he did what he was supposed to do, which was call a very important state early without justification or explanation for Joe Biden and really derailing the momentum uh, of election night. And it's also it, it was it's more than momentum. You know, so much today is controlled by the media narrative and it really opened up the possibility for the media to go forward with the Democrats narrative, right? That this, right. that, that they, they wanted, what they didn't want was a red, a permanent red wave, right? I mean, we'd, we'd been primed that it was going to seem like there was a red mirage, but once all the cheat ballots came in, Biden was going to crush Trump or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. And so by not giving Trump Arizona and holding off on Texas and Florida and North Carolina, that put him in such a good position. And they denied him of that position so they could instead put their narrative. I mean, now we're anxiously waiting. We're letting these states pile up for Biden full of fraud like Michigan and Wisconsin. Excuse me. And now it looks like Trump is has is the underdog that he's at the disadvantage and he's the one fighting the results. Instead of it should be Biden or just everybody waiting to see what happens. So it was a really, really critical, sinister move. And a lot of people are angry at Fox, including I, I'm glad I had turned it off so that I didn't have an opportunity to be watching it when that was that happened. Yeah, that's um, so now we're waiting um, Arizona that when there are people we know who are in Arizona, who are very close to the vote counting there, where these ballots are coming from, how they're intended to favor the president. I think he's already cut that margin down. So we'll see if Fox they should have done the right thing as they're getting pressure. But to continue to have this guy on and give these really terrible explanations for why they called Arizona, especially when these other major, you know, far left news outlets haven't done that. 
is huge uh, damage to Fox News on top of everything else. You know, we know this. There's a lot of frustration with Fox News hard, you know, their hard news coverage during the day. They got rid of Shepard Smith finally, but, you know, they've got 10 other people to replace him. It's really only the nighttime lineup that's worth watching. When you have adult, a dunce like Chris Steyerwalt, who I'm sorry, my German Shepherd knows more about politics and makes more sense than Chris Steyerwalt does. Like, how does that guy, why do they continue to have him on election night in the past few days? He has no clue what he's talking about. He's so unconvincing, unappealing. He just trots out one trope after another. They're really, it's really a shame because it was an outlet that we've all depended on and relied on for years. And now they're untrustworthy. He did. He served his purpose. You know, right. and so now when we're looking at the landscape for the election, you've got all these places saying that Arizona is for Biden. That's 11 electoral votes. They've given in Michigan and Wisconsin, even though there's fraud. They don't know what's going on in Philadelphia, which is just a hot dumpster fire going on over there. And so Biden has 264 votes. So all he needs is to get Nevada. All right. They're still counting in Nevada. Nevada has six votes. Those six votes put him at 270. Now, if they don't count fast enough in Arizona to take that state away from Trump, if he does, in fact, I mean, and give it to Trump, if in fact Trump wins it, Biden's going to have that 270 narrative. I say narrative because he probably doesn't have 270. But once the media kicks in with Biden is the winner and it's going to be the front page of all the newspapers, on all the news places, you're not going to be allowed to say anything else on Twitter or on Facebook. That is a different game. And that is going to be a nightmare. I mean, that is going to be very hard to defeat. Um, So let's talk a little bit about what's going on in Philadelphia, Detroit right now. I mean, think of two cities like this would be like Chicago. You're counting the votes in Chicago. There's no vote fraud there either. Never. It's never been a history of it ever in 40 years, of course. So and Tucker kind of said that the other night, which was hilarious. Think of the most corrupt city in the Western Hemisphere. Detroit is deciding who your next president is like. That's really where we are. So over the past few hours, the Trump campaign was successful in allowing um, poll watchers, observers to go into where Philadelphia is manufacturing, creating, coming up with these mail-in ballots. And but now there's reports that they have stopped counting um, and are trying to get the the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which is five to two Democrats, to intervene to, I guess, not allow these part of these political, I mean, Republican poll watchers to go into where the precincts, where these votes are being tallied, which is against the law. There's a very clear law that these political, that these Republican vote observers, ballot count watchers are allowed to watch this tally underway. And so that's sort of a disaster right now. But also there's reports in Detroit Um, And we've seen this over the past few years. I believe it was Detroit, Liz, where they were like taking pizza boxes and taping them up to the door so nobody could watch the vote count. Yeah, I saw that. That you totally do that when it's when you have nothing to hide, too. Like if you feel like there's, um, you know, that this is a free, an honest endeavor, you totally board up the windows so nobody can look inside to see what you're doing. Right. There's not vote fraud in there. They're not hiding anything. Nothing. Anything at all. Nothing at all. Totally legit. So, Liz, where what happens here? This is an, a disaster, but it's one that we anticipated. Um, well, we anticipated it. The people that have the power to make differences and prepare for it did not anticipate it, obviously, or it wouldn't be happening. So when you're saying that, who are you talking about? Like the Trump well, campaign? Well, it's part of it's the Trump campaign. Part it of it seemed like they also- weren't. I think I think the Trump campaign really thought that their problems were going to be in Pennsylvania and they put a lot of 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 lawyers in Pennsylvania. Um, They didn't have lawyers in Michigan. They didn't have a lot of lawyers or any lawyers in Nevada. I don't think that they had any lawyers in Wisconsin. Um, So but but remember these 
it's not just the Trump campaign, right? The Trump campaign needs to focus on doing the things a campaign does to win, like just a campaign. The mechanism to defeat vote fraud that's conducted on a wholesale scale by the Democrats, that is a decades long problem. And that's the job of the GOP. And apparently they were snorting cocaine off a hooker's belly for 20 years. And (laughs) after 2000, you know, whatever. And the Democrats were getting ready to rumble. And so now we have people counting votes with Biden masks on. Right. Have you seen those pictures of the people yes. counting? But I mean, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? The, the real issue to take a step back from this current shit show is to think about how important it is without considering a candidate or a party, how important it is to have trustworthy institutions right. so that even if your candidate loses, you still have faith in the system, that the system is able to make that determination and that we can move forward. And if I thought that Trump legitimately lost the election, I would obviously be upset. But I mean, I would be like, that sucks. And, you know, I blame people, I'm sure, like never Trumpers or whatever. But, you know, I wouldn't say this is a banana republic. But but that's because I care about maintaining trust in our civil institutions. If you want to win at all costs, you don't care how suspiciously people look at something like the voting process. And the Democrats, who many of whom are brainwashed and a lot of whom are mm-hmm. just rabid partisan anti-Trumpers, they don't care what the damage they do to the system in order to win. I mean, the vote fraud is so blatant and not subtle. You have to think that they don't care if people know that they stole the election. And that is that has very bad long term events. We can't we can't live in a in a society where people think that the institutions are rigged. That is, you know, that now we're talking about a third world warlord situation. But we know, Liz, they don't care about the integrity of the institutions. They say that, right, protecting our democracy and the rule of law and all the shit that we've heard for the past five years from the very people who are defying all of it. They are torching these institutions on purpose. I mean, you know this. Whoever's listening to us knows this, too. So the a national election is the last place where they really need to burn it all down to prove that they are in control, they're in power. They control corporate America now. They control me- the media. They control big tech. They control academia. They control every facet of government power. Their last place for scorched earth would be a national presidential election. And this is exactly what they are doing. The last little shred that we could hold on to to feel like we have some voice, some power. And they're stripping it away and they're laughing while they're doing it because they really know no matter how hard Trump fights, takes them to court or has Rick Grinnell out there or Eric Trump or Rudy Giuliani, whoever, they know all of this is already rigged in their favor. So you even have the Supreme Court refuse. You have, quote unquote, Republicans who are refusing to hear cases to that would legitimize election law so they're not even we can't even depend on the supreme court now to protect our elections and that's supposed to be a 6-3 conservative republican advantage to in our favor well it's it's not you know it's not even partisan it's like this is the law these are the laws that govern our elections and they need to be upheld full stop you know it's not even about I mean, we do have some nutters on the court, unfortunately, who are not constitutionalists. But I would just say the rules are in the rules are there. The Supreme Court needs to enforce those rules. You can't change the rules at the last minute. You can't have non-elected officials make the election rules up. That is also illegal. So but that's what you have in Pennsylvania. You have a court making even more insane election rules than the actual elected officials. Right. About you can count for what till the 13th or some outrageous number. 
the I think the Pennsylvania Supreme Court decided. So, you know, this is a this is there's no good way out of this. No. There's no good way to let for for people to leave thinking that this was a fair process. Um I'm not I'm not talking about a couple cases of vote fraud. The numbers the questionable numbers and mm-hmm. some of these videos are so outrageous. It's not Staggering. even like, it's not, um, ah, there's, they're always a little, there's always a little hanky panky. No, this is, this is ridiculous. How in the hell could this man who barely campaigned, he campaigned like one tenth of all the possible days to campaign, um, who didn't do that. The party that had no get out the vote effort, they weren't mm-hmm. knocking on doors. They weren't registering voters. How could this operation get more votes than Barack Obama got in 2008? Right. Because they knew the fix was in the whole time. Exactly. They knew that they didn't have to. I mean, they they laid it out, right, in their transition integrity project. Haha, what a misnomer if there ever was one. They laid out the whole thing. Even the scenario which is what we should be close to, which is where Joe Biden wins the popular vote and Trump wins the electoral vote, college vote, they had a months long, I mean, dragging this out until inauguration day, how they were going to refuse to allow Joe Biden to concede. They were going to deny Trump the ability to declare a victory. Big tech was going to be in on it and censor all of it. They were going to put 4 million protesters on the streets throughout the country, demanding every vote to be counted. I mean, they laid this whole plan out. This is This isn't new to those of us who've been paying attention. And this is exactly what is unfolding. Um, Is it insurmountable? It seems like it at this point. I think it is. I think it is. I don't think it's Nevada is controlled by Democrats. Mm -hmm. So I think they want to get that Biden count in as fast as possible before Arizona. And and I do. People are like, oh, we can we get Nevada. I'm like, dude, you're not getting Nevada. You're not getting Nevada. It's Harry Reid's vote fraud machine. That right. is the sine qua non of vote fraud operations. <laughs> you know? Wow, you just really raised the I IQ just you saw I dropped some Latin bitch. You Latin. did. <laughs> but that's what it is. I mean, I, I I support the efforts to resist this. I think it's important for people who voted for Trump and also people to see that we're fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really a big reason that the party turned to Trump in the first place is that the party, meaning the people, um, because the leaders and people on the Republican political industry had betrayed them and not fought for them or their interests for decades. And hence we have, you know, a reality TV show host as our president who's done a better job, I might add, mm-hmm. of working for the interests of the voters, who doesn't take corporate money and isn't bought off by all these interests. And so it's important for people to fight and get behind it. But at the end of the day, we long ago had ceded control and influence over this process mm-hmm. willingly, mind you, we mm-hmm. weren't tricked out of it. You know, I mean, these people took over all the right institutions and the Republicans right. didn't do shit. They well, we, no, happen. we were, we were nation building. Remember we oh, were that's right. on how we could bring democracy to fucking Afghanistan and Iraq <laughs> and Syria and Libya. Meanwhile, you know, did, <laughs> We're turning into, you know, we're trading places like Afghanistan elections look more legit at this point than here because the conservative, quote unquote, movement, the neocons, establishment Republicans, that's what they were focused on. While the left hijacked every single institution that we have, every center of power they control. And so now we're left with one guy standing who's trying to act as the bulwark between us and them. And there's a very good chance he's going to fail. And think about this, Liz, too. There's already a report today in Axios, which, you know, they could be kind of a sketchy, but they have some good reporting that Mitch McConnell is working on a list of with um, the Biden's transition team about acceptable cabinet appointees. Think about that. Of course, instead of the the head of the Republican Senate going out, having Trump's back, demanding that um, they're demanding that these states and Republican Party officials are involved in the vote counting to protect these elections, protect the president's 
potential victory. He's already playing footsie with, you know, his pal Joe Biden, their longtime colleague and buddy, about how they're going to put Biden's presidency together. Oh, of course. Of course. Because this was never really about Republicans and Democrats. It was about people who have power in the political industry and people who don't. So they're all the same. They're all really on the same side. A lot of people who aren't involved in politics think, oh, it's Democrat versus Republican, donkey, red, blue. Yeah, it is kind of. But before it's about that, it's about power and influence. And these people are constantly brokering. And when I say these people, I mean Republicans, because Democrats rarely make concessions. You know that when when they when Democrats talk about bipartisanship, it means Republicans cave move to the left where the and, the and the Democrats stay where they are. So it's, you know, it, that's it's, what's, it, it's disgusting, but it's, I'm not surprised. That's what's so funny about these never Trumpers. We saw a tweet by Ben Shapiro today. David French had one the other day. You know, this is going to be okay because if Biden is elected, he's going to have a Republican Senate who's going to keep him in check and they're going to keep his most progressive policies at bay. They're right. We're laughing because the idea that even if they hold the Senate, which is slim, let's say it's by one. I mean, they've lost what? I think they're up one. I think up two. Up two? Yeah. Well, they won. Well, they lost McSally's seat. They lost Colorado. They gained Alabama. And it looks like, where else would it be? They kept they, Susan Collins. So that we have that. They kept and, Graham. Yeah. Think about the names we're saying right now. I know. Like, we really think Susan Collins and Lindsey Graham <clears throat> are going to stand their ground against Joe Biden? No. Well, can you... You can already just see like the Collinses and Murkowskis, mm-hmm. you know, like demanding the Republican um, caucus, you know, make some more concessions because it's so it's more comfortable for her. You know, <laughs> like right. it's a, <clears throat> it's a joke. I mean, it's it's a joke. It, it, yeah, I really think Ben Sass is going to hold <laughs> Ben Sass is really going to stand up to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the squad and Chuck Schumer. Come on. I'm These waiting for are him to come out and just say to ask Trump to like end it, you know, he's going to be first because, you know, it's coming. I feel like it could be Romney, though. Is it going to be Romney yeah. or Sass? It, it's going to be Romney. There's no doubt he's going to yeah. be the first one for the good of the country. The president must halt his lawsuits in states and, you know, blah, blah, blah. His usual garbage bullshit. Yeah, I think you're right. He's probably writing like what his tweet right now for that moment. And then he's just waiting to hit. You know, you could tell his tweets, you know, he's been he works on them for like days before he approves it. And it probably has like, you know, like um, what's his kid's name? Jock or he's got a bunch. So it has to go through the whole family like group text and then they tweak it, all the little Romneys. And then, you know, he sends it off to whoever else for approval, and then he finally posts it. So I'm sure it's in the works right now. Yeah, for sure. But he's ready. I mean, he is waiting for that moment where he can tisk, tisk, tisk. And then, and then there's the issue. I mean, I'm, I'm angry and I'm trying to get into a fighting mood, but I'm also just like the time to get ready for this was a long time ago. And I just don't know how we can scramble and put together, you know, and fight something that's this massive. It's all over the place. It, it's, 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 it's like whack-a-mole. Just, it's not just one state. You know, you're talking about like four or five states now that have all, all kinds of shit going on in them. So what do you think, Julie? What's your, what's I mean, your I think we, uh, I mean, not good. I do think. It's good to see them put up a fight. It looks like as of this hour, too, the Democrats are trying to steal Georgia, which would be a big thing. I would point to Wisconsin. That looks like some pretty fertile territory because it's only 20,000 votes out of I was looking at this the other day, like 3.2 million. It's 90 percent voter turnout in Wisconsin, the state of Wisconsin. And which is 500,000 more votes than 2016, which seems inconceivable. 
But if the margin is only 20,000 out of that, that seems like a good place for Trump. And that's what they're calling for a recount. That seems like pretty fertile ground right there because that's 10 electoral votes. We, you know, another, just to compare to Wisconsin, another way that, another thing that adds to suspicion is that look at the Trump, how Trump has increased his support Mm -hmm. in all these other states, especially states near Wisconsin, like Ohio. Right. I think he expanded his um, margin of victory in Ohio. Ohio is near Wisconsin. How different is the makeup of Ohio versus Wisconsin? You know, we're not talking about New England, you know, like Massachusetts versus Mississippi here. You know, this, these are the, this is a pretty similar, similar area. How could whatever Trump did make him more, even more popular in Ohio and way, 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 way less popular in Wisconsin? I mean, right. It makes absolutely no sense unless you look at the places where this has happened and you noted that the Democrats are controlling the counting process and then it's kind of suspicious. Do you agree? I, I do. I mean, I think just being a Midwestern, you're right. I mean, a lot, you know, these all of us are pretty similar in some regards. Ohio is probably this is where I would say Ohio and Pennsylvania. They're far. I mean, they're closer, I would say, than say in Ohio and Wisconsin. I'm not writing off what you're saying because there are similarities. But that's why the Pennsylvania go Trump won Ohio by what? Eight percentage points. Yeah. The idea that. Right. So Pennsylvania. That makes no sense because they have a lot of the same economic interests. I mean, um, so a place like Wisconsin, no, it doesn't make any sense that by that they they had this huge, massive turnout, first of all, 90 percent. Nobody believes that. That's absolute horseshit. It is. So I think that's a good area for pickup. I'm still pretty hopeful. And as Trump campaign is pushing and his legal team, you can now see these poll workers, these Democrats in these cities acting up, locking people out. I mean, we're just seeing reports of that right now in um, Detroit, locking people out, not letting them in when they are lawfully allowed to be there. That just fuels Trump's narrative. And I think that works to his favor. I saw Andy McCarthy on. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Tell me about Andy because I didn't. I guess you saw him on Fox and I wouldn't know. I know. I'm sorry. My husband is watching Fox. He he doesn't understand that Fox oh is God. on the naughty list. He thinks he's being like cutting edge because he's Get not watching off. CNN. Get him off. <laughs> so Andy was on. I love Andy. Andy is a friend. I'm, I think he's a friend of yours, too. I have a lot of respect for his legal opinion. Um, he's not a political person, per se. Um, but today he was basically saying that the president should not be saying anything about voter fraud, that he should just let his legal team speak for himself, that this doesn't help him in the courts, that it would turn off the Supreme Court from getting um, engaged. I do think Andy has a point there, but I think it ignores that there is a huge political angle to this as well, which is you have to get your troops fired up. You have to have these rallies at, you know, in Phoenix and in Detroit. And now in Atlanta, where Trump supporters are going there and, you know, demanding that they make sure that their voter system in their state is secure and that it's honest and 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 clean. And so there is a huge political angle to this that I, I think Andy sort of overlooked. Um, but you could see. You know, 65, 66 million Trump voters aren't just going to lay down and be like, "Okay, we'll let Detroit, Philadelphia and Atlanta steal this presidential election. It's not happening. Well, also going back to what I said earlier about how important it is to have trust in the institutions, there is a certain responsibility for having a public charge and being a civil servant, you know, and it's and part of that is upholding the integrity of the institution and the process whatever you're doing, whether you're like a DMV worker or, you know, you're part of the election machine and the shenanigans like locking people out, each party is allowed to have election observers. And the reason they do this is, is precisely to make sure that people know that the process is, has integrity, you know, that it's fair. And so when they start blocking out Republican observers, there's no reason to do that unless you're cheating. Right. 
None. And yet that's happening all over the place. And again, we talked about the windows being blocked off. That's another really shifty development. Apparently, for the first time in the history of American you know, elections, a bunch of states just stopped counting. <laughs> just stopped. Can you, I mean, go back and think of all the other elections that, you know, we're almost the same age. You know, we, we've been through the same amount of elections. I have no, I cannot remember when a bunch of states were like, yeah, you know, we're done tonight. We'll be back whenever. Is it Can- one state? Who's taking like a, a mental health day? Oh, that well, Nevada was somebody. Nevada, Nevada was going to take off. Um, Nevada was going to take off yesterday. They're like, oh, we'll be back on the fifth. And everyone's like, um, I'm sorry, what? This was like November third, the night of the election. Like, oh, we're going to update again on November fifth. Wait, what? <laughs> what? But can, but again, how does that? How does that help the public trust in the system? Those things are the only things that keep us from being a banana republic is that we believe that there's justice. We believe that there's fairness. We believe that our government is there, you know, is impartial to make sure that justice is served and everyone is treated fairly. And you have these elected officials. You have people that are either elected officials, secretary of state, or a part of the election machine who have spent four years talking about how they want to kill Donald Trump. Now, how am I supposed to think that this person is going to make sure we have a fair... Right. Now, even if they hate Trump and, you know, I get it. it no person can say, well, we, we don't have any political we don't have any political biases. Of course, people have political biases, but you keep it quiet. You know, that's one of the reasons that the media has become so, so shameful is that these jackasses who are fame whores and want to get likes and retweets go on Twitter and try and out you know, outdo each other with partisan one-liners and hot takes. But you know what that means? That means obviously you're not giving me the information in unbiased, you know, you obviously have an agenda. And that's so dangerous when we're talking about the institution. So there's just been so many weird cases of that where they've stopped voting, they're pushing people out, they're not letting people in, even though someone comes, I can't remember what state it was in, it may have been Michigan, where someone's like, here are my papers, my certificate that said I am officially you know, an observer. And they were like, get out, (laughs) you know, there was a place in, I think it was Detroit where when you walked in, they had a giant sign telling people how to vote. That's right. They were showing that Tuesday morning. They had those signs all over the place. Illegal. That is not even a gray area. You know what I mean? That is a full on, absolutely not allowed, not allowed. Liz, We live in a country where the most powerful law enforcement officials and intelligence officials flat out lied, used the most powerful, sacred government tools against not just a presidential campaign, but a duly elected president. They lied about it repeatedly to Congress. They made up stories that they changed documents. They illegally leaked classified information. Not one person has been held accountable. So to that end, first of all, where the hell is Bill Barr? Where has he been? Is he still our attorney general or is Rick Ornell? I I think him and I think him and Durham have packed up and they're they're setting up new new resorts in Bermuda Bermuda or something. Yeah, exactly. So when that happens, you know, it has such a downstream effect. And we've seen this people committing crimes, whether they're Antifa thugs or you're the FBI director, get away with it. No one is ever held accountable. So of course they think they can get away with this. Why wouldn't they? Well, right. There's no consequences. I mean, the stuff that we've been seeing, the videos that people have been taking and putting up on Twitter before they're erased. um, It's it's the, 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 the vote fraud is so bad, but, but think to yourself, like, why wouldn't they do this? Right. You know, like, why wouldn't these are the people that told America for four years that Donald Trump was guilty of espionage, a crime punished by death, but also that he was an asset of Vladimir Putin's ginned up an impeachment uh, bullshit that basically paralyzed the duly elected president for four years. They spied on his campaign, his family, his associates. Then they ginned up a rape charge against an innocent man that he had Mm -hmm. had a rape line there was a rape room he was running rape and then chain, rape, someone chain. on a boat right. and then shoved his penis in someone's face at some drunken Yale party all lies 
you know, th- it's not like vote fraud is a line, right? And like, oh, well, we can't, we can't do that. We have to have free and fair election. But all these other things are fine. No, these, I've had so many, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show, but I've had, or to just you personally, or to myself, because I'm so. <laughs> or your cat. To Someone, think, something. My cats are smart, though. So um, people keep talking about, oh, this is the numbers. And, you know, before the election, everyone's like, here's my map. And they're showing the little reds and the blue states. And they're like, all he needs to do is win. Da, da, da. And I just look at them. And I'm like, why do you think that the, that the institutional state is going to let Trump win the presidency again. Forget the numbers. Right. You know what I mean? Forget the numbers. Why would you think they would allow the American people to elect this man to his second term? Right. I'm right. sorry, I don't. And so that's why I was always like, I don't know how this is going to go down. I don't. So Well, at we this point, we don't know how it's going to end. But you know what? We're overlooking the fact that we are going to have a senile, angry, incompetent, babbling fool as the so-called president of the United States. Like, we aren't even grasping what that means. Well, how long, Julie, is, would you say it is before Kamala takes over? Like, before Biden taps out? And he's like, I'm going to go take a long nap, and I'm leaving and I'm going to leave the country in charge and, you know, Kamala Harris in charge of the country. How long? 12.01. I know. On January 20th, Won't be more than six months. Won't be more than six months. It won't. It's impossible, Liz, right? I mean. No way. There's no way. And the media is going to cover up for his physical and mental decline. They're going to think it's totally normal that the guy shows up for work a half hour a day. He's not even. And, dude, I don't even think. He, look, let's be honest. He's not even going to pretend. He's just going to be there. It's going to be right. Obama, all Obama people and Kamala. Yep. They're just going to be running it. And then, you know, remember, Obama didn't do a lot of press conferences. You know, the media is spoiled, even though they hate Trump. They've never had access to a president the way they have have had with Donald Trump. That's they're, right. they're not going to get that with Biden. You're going to see Biden. They're going to come out maybe once a month when there's a full moon. And yep. he's going to go look at his list and he's going to call on, oh, who is this person? <laughs> Okay, Jim Acosta asked me the question. And then Jim Acosta is going to go, if you could be any flavor of ice cream, Joe Biden, would you be chocolate or would you be vanilla? And he'll obviously say chocolate because if he says vanilla, he's a white supremacist. But you get my point. It's that, that we are, right. he's not going to be running things. No. Nope. And we're not going to have any idea who is running things. Well, you said who it is. It's right. It's Barack Obama. It's going mean. to be Obama. Lee Smith has said this. He yeah. is the shadow president. He's the only president in 100 years who never left Washington, D.C. He was out on the cam tra- campaign trail, I thought, embarrassing himself, if it's possible, with these like petulant, childish outbursts about Donald Trump never being invited to birthday parties, like lying about the suckers and losers story that was in the Atlantic that's been debunked by everyone who was there, even people who don't like the president anymore. So he was just like one little temper tantrum after another it's going to be obama all of his all these people show back up susan rice sally yates ben rhodes hello that's right ben rhodes anita dunn she's already been out on you know she's sniffing around all these horrible person that whose name we've seen in the last four years testifying before congress or appearing on cnn or msnbc as a paid contributor is going to be back in the administration. You're going to see the rewards, right, for loyalty come out. What do they? He's going to make Vinman like. Oh my God! I was defense. just thinking, oh, how weird. Can you imagine see, like how many people? Belt. He's going yep. to be a Jeopardy question. It's like who was the one who was both offered to be Secretary of Defense of the United States and <laughs> of the Ukraine, and the answer will be Alexander Vinman. Who? Lieutenant Colonel. Lieutenant Colonel it's, Jelly Donut. He, it's going to be him. But just, but that's right. We're going to see every one of those people. Sally Yates yep. is going to be back in. Who knows? Wouldn't that be awesome if they made J- Jim Comey head of the FBI? I mean, that's when you're just like, sorry for this. You're just balls deep. You know, you're yep. like, I just don't care. It, who knows? But right. there are consequences to that. I want to just talk about that for a minute. 
you can shove our face in your pile of smelly shit, but what do you think we're going to do? And I don't mean we like me and Julie, because we are law-abiding and patriots who never do anything wrong. But there are people who are unhinged. Right. <laughs> and there are people who are not going to just be like, okay, that's fine. I'm just going to thank you, sir. May I have another? Right. So um, this stuff just doesn't happen. There's ne- We're never going to go back to the status quo. No. So as much as the never Trumpers thought that we would just go back and they would be in charge of us again or whatever, our political movement. Yeah, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Did you see, speaking of the Lincoln Project, Michael Steele, the Tritorious one-time head of the RNC, saying how now they are going to reformulate the conservative movement and Republican Party. They think that they have are going to have some role that's in a joke. Now maybe it is a joke. I you know, I go back to what Michael Anton said, and I mean, there's another really just on point prescient guy who wrote the Flight 93 essay and then has um, his book out about well, it's called The Stakes, about what's at stake right now. But he said for my book about the never Trumpers, that's fine. They think that after Trump is gone, they're going to take the party, the conservative movement. He was like, take it. Go I ahead. Know. We're starting our own thing. You could call it the Republican Party. You could call it conservative ink, whatever. We'll have no part of it. You guys go right ahead and, you know, kid yourselves. You can have it. We're over here doing our own thing. We're not even on the same planet. Right. And I think that that's something important that Trump should do on his way out is he needs to be like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm taking all my people with me and we're forming our own party. And then he should pardon like, oh, my God, I'd love to just see him pardon so many people. I would especially like to see him pardon Edward Snowden just to fuck (laughs) shit up. Be like, Mm -hmm. I'm pardoning Julian Assange. I'm pardoning Edward Snowden. Like he he really um, needs to just throw a match in to Washington, D.C. on his way out. Right. And I, I think agree. he can. Look at those rallies. Do you think those people were at the rallies because they love the GOP? They were at those rallies because they like Trump's agenda. A lot of those people aren't even Republicans. I had one of my girlfriends. We've been friends for 30 years. We started in local politics together here in suburban Chicago. She went to one of Trump's rallies, either Kenosha. I think it was Kenosha. She's like, Julie, most of the people I talk to there have never been to a political rally in their life. They're not registered Republicans. You know, that is who the Trumpified to the extent Republican Party is. It's not even the Republican Party. This is a whole other animal on its own. And so you're right. This isn't, you know, the precinct committeemen or the regular donors or the think tank experts or whoever it is. The person with the elephant hat, you know, and like the elephant Mm -hmm. sweater with like jewels on it. It's like, I'm GOP, rah, rah, rah. (laughs) Grand old party. Oh, no. No, no. I think I heard someone, one of the Trump children said that 30 percent of the attendees at these rallies are have never voted i believe that and that's insane that is insane and if you go and look at how trump has increased the number of votes he got from 2016 and increased his margin in states that are legitimately voting it's incredible right it's I, i and i think that that's also part of the plan so to speak not only to steal this election because as much as they hate trump they really hate us that's they really exactly hate us. right. That's and they exactly want right. to they want to destroy this move our this movement. They want yep. to destroy the MAGA movement. It's not about destroying Republicans. It's about destroying the MAGA movement and the regular people who just want to be left alone and they want to run their businesses. They want to they want their kids to learn, you know, go to school and learn regular kid things and not about pronouns and chicks with dicks in the shower. They don't want that. They want just to have a very plain, simple life and all decisions to be left up to them. So I, I hope that Trump is ready to do that. I think people will follow him. I think most of the party will follow him. And, and then you can have the never Trumpers sitting around. I know, Julie, did you ever watch Arrested Development? I did. I did. So I imagine the never Trumpers like George Sr. when he was hiding in the attic of the rental house, but he had been alone for so long. And then George (laughs) Michael comes in and he's sitting there and having a tea party by himself, but with stuffed animals talking to them. And he's like a tea set on the table. That's what I imagine the never Trumpers. They can be, you know, that's that's their party. It's 20 people. That's exactly right. Good luck. 
Yeah, it's and that's fine. They can have Miles Taylor and Heath Mayo and Michael Steele and, you know, whoever else. Yeah. Have your tea party and talk you to know, each other. I love that, like, Michael Steele. I love mm-hmm. that Michael Steele has been so proud of his never Trumpism. This fucking joker was in head of our party. Yep. And and people, the media, who's so very out of touch with the Trump voter. I mean, they've still never been able to, um, you know, figure out the Trump voter or the Trump phenomenon. They just sort of mollify themselves with a like a lollipop about racism. Like, oh, this is why it's racism. Because they don't really understand. They they don't really understand the Trump voter. Um, But they just don't they don't know what to do. They don't understand the Trump voter. So they go out and they put this thing. They put up all these people and they say, Trump, look at all these luminaries who don't like Trump. You know, Michael Steele and then the yeah. Lincoln, the Bill Crystal and the right. David Frenches and the Eric Erickson's and all these never Trump clowns. Right. God, and it's Eric like, Erickson. right. Well, what that says more about them than it does about us. I mean, do you think that that holds sway with like I'm a Trump supporter? And I'm like, oh, wait, I did not know that Rick Wilson did not like Trump. I'm going to rethink it. No, they're so out of touch. It says much more about those people and the state of our party than it ever does about the people. You know, it's just so funny. It's like, oh, no, not Michael Steele. He is. Oh, no, he's not on board. What? He's not on board. The magic without him. Right. No, (laughs) that's crazy. Well, we could go on and on, but let's wrap up and see where we are in the next day or so but um it's not it's not looking promising but Trump is still going to be around they might wish that he would have won and stayed in the White House semi constrained versus what he's going to be doing from the outside yeah well i hope he's ready for it because i think he he has a lot of um He's going to have a lot of support. And after the shit, nothing brings people in line after being victimized by something. It's one thing to talk about it abstractly and be like, oh, it's wrong for the government to do those things. It's entirely different. I mean, I started out not being a Trump, a real big Trump supporter. Mm -hmm. I think he was like number 18 out of the 17 for me. (laughs) Right. Um, But I just, you know, I got on board because I'm like, well, I guess this is what we have to work with. Um, And. What he's been through for the last four years would break a lesser man. Oh, my God. Yes. I mean, I can't believe what he's been through and what he's managed to get done despite that. And the fact that he never turned into one of them. It would have been so easy for him to just slide right in and start playing the game and been like, "Okay, I'll give you that. Let's take a deal to fuck the fuck the people. Nope. He didn't do it. So. I don't know. So, Julie, what do you predict going forward? Pain, as they say in hockey. (laughs) Food and pain. Pain. Um, I I don't know. I think that there's some hope for us, for our side to prevail. Um, You know, everything is so rigged against us. I think if Biden does win. He's obviously going to be, I mean, we haven't even talked about this. Republicans have already picked up six house seats. They have several more that they could pick up. Um, so that's going to reconfigure the house, which we could depend on being maybe a little bit more engaged than the Senate. Um, but you're going to, you're talking about no mandate really for a Biden-Harris administration. Well, that's not going to stop them. No, that's not, you know, you're right. It's not going to stop them. But, and they're going to run, you know, they're going to run roughshod with administrative rules and executive orders, just like Obama did. But it's going to be a dear colleague letter. I don't think, I, here's what I think. I don't think the outcome from the left, the Democrats, the media, never Trumpers is going to be what they envisioned it to be. I think in a lot of ways they are going to regret what they've done. Um, so that's my prediction. No, I think that that's true. How about you? No, I think you're going to see the law of unintended consequences. Mm -hmm. 
come in, they're, they're, they're not going to have any idea. The interesting thing to think about is after this garbage that we've been through during this election, all the cheating and the ridiculousness um, and the numbers and the turnout, what's going to happen in 2022 midterms, right? That the, the, the fact that these people, the Senate and the House are up for reelection in 2022, that's always kind of like a stopgap, right? You're like, okay, well, be careful what you decide because in two years, you're going to be judged at the ballot box. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm sure the Biden-Harris uh, emperors would want to have, you know, Democrats in the House and the Senate, but they can't get too radical or they're going to get voted out. But now we don't even have that on the table. I mean, how are they going to control the fraud, right? Like they're going to have to, they're going to have to keep this up. But on the other hand, or related, I guess I should say, do you think we're ever going to go back to voting regularly anymore? It's hard to see. No, there's no way. So now this is the normal. There's not even recourse at the ballot box. So then the question becomes, what do the citizens do? And that is the ending of quite possibly the darkest <laughs> happy hour show. I feel like we've had worse, but we, we yeah, this wait is... till next week. <laughs> it's just going to be <laughs> Julie and I crying. <laughs> I'm going to be drinking. You're going to be vaping. It's I'm going to be, be, I'm be sad. <laughs> but that's where we are. So, all right. We will see you next Friday. Thank you so much for spending your hour with us. We are on iTunes now. You can subscribe Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We're I think we're on we're on Blueberry, but we we think we're also on Spotify. I'll have to Spotify and uh, Stitcher, but I'll check and let you know next week. So thanks so much for listening. We're there with you. Have a great week and pray. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week.